Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Church by the Glades podcast. If you would like more information about Church by the Glades, including service times and directions, visit cbglades.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today we are continuing on in week two of our brand new series entitled Dead Men Tell No Tales. And I feel right in my lane with this series because if you know anything about me, my dad's the pastor of this church, which means I literally grew up in this church. And because my dad always worked hard to make church a place that myself and my siblings could enjoy, he would let us misbehave a little bit. And one of the ways he would let us do so would be by wearing costumes to church. So I dressed up as a pirate for like the first five years of my life every single time I came to church. Like from Captain Feathersword of the Wiggles to Captain Hook from Peter Pan to Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean, like I, I was dripped out. Like I, I was ready to make my pirate presence known here at Church by the Glaze. I'll go up, people just whack with my plastic sword upside the knee and I was really obnoxious. And all I'm saying is like I, I've, I've gone through a lot of training for this moment and I feel prepared and I think I'm ready to misbehave some more today. Speaking of my dad, my dad's my hero and he's great. And if, you've been here for longer than two seconds at Church by the Glades, and you probably know that my dad loves to fish. Like, if my dad is not preaching, he's fishing. My dad will go as far as to make the argument that fishing is the most biblical sport. But I will go as far as to make the argument that no fishing is actually the most boring sport. I have not caught the fishing bug like my dad has, to say the least. And honestly, I blame my dad for this because there were multiple times when I was like elementary school age when my dad, I'm not exaggerating, would take me out fishing for anywhere between six to eight hours a day. It was terrible, horrible, miserable torture. It was cruel and unusual punishment, people. I was like, dad, I will never disrespect you ever again. Please just don't make me go on another fishing trip. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed spending time with my dad I just didn't get the hype behind standing outside in the hot Florida heat, sweating your butt off and being eaten alive by mosquitoes to maybe catch a fish. Really what it all came down to for me though was the waiting. I hate waiting. I am too impatient for fishing. I really don't like waiting when it seems like waiting isn't working. It was those Days when we would wait six, seven, eight hours to catch a fish and we would leave empty-handed that ended my fishing career. In life, as you, of course, know, there are many things that we have to wait for and wait on. Things that can feel and seem out of our control. And this can be frustrating especially when you have been waiting for a while and it feels and seems as if nothing is working, nothing is progressing, nothing is growing, nothing is moving in the direction that you want it to. This is when waiting can feel useless, seem meaningless, and look hopeless. But I believe the assignment that God has given me today is to the best of my ability, submit to your consideration that although this weight may look, seem, and feel useless, meaningless, and hopeless. This weight is, in fact, serving a purpose. 
And that perhaps this entire time, the reason why it has seemed and has felt and has looked as if waiting has not been working for you is because while you have been waiting on God, God has been waiting on you. The title of this sermon, if you are taking notes, is what is this wait even for? Look to the person who's sitting next to whichever person you like most and ask them that question. What is this wait even for? What's this wait even for? That's what we're going to find out. To figure out what this wait is for, we're going to read a passage of scripture about a dead man named Lazarus. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Read this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. It's weird. Doesn't make much sense if you ask me. He stayed where he was two more days. He made them wait. The urgency of Martha's request makes Jesus dragging his feet particularly peculiar. But something we all need to understand is that God is far more concerned with doing a work in us than he is with doing a work for us. Hopefully, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, help put this thought into further perspective. It reads, do not be deceived. God is not to be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap in return. The one who sows to please his flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For in due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 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 This is not coincidence. This is not karma. This is not good juju. This is not happenstance. This is the hand of God. God makes commitments to those who are consistent. Consistency communicates reliability and dependability, or in other words, faithfulness. God knows that those who are consistent are commitment material because they are those who understand that sleepiness shouldn't keep me from showing up. Tiredness should not keep me from toughing it out. A little bit of weariness should not keep me from working hard. There are those who understand that until it is due season, it's due season. God knows that those who are consistent are commitment material. There are those he can go into business with because the only attribute, the only characteristic, the only internal motivation that has any power to override weariness is wants. 
And nothing will demonstrate the depth of your desire like the diligence of your due. But it's important I take a moment and pause. This is not the part of the sermon for those of you that have been waiting for things out of your control. This is not the part of the sermon for those of you who have been prayerfully waiting for healing or to get pregnant or anything like that. This is the part of the sermon for those of you who have been waiting for things that are in your control and that you've been waiting for other people to make things happen for you and solve your problem. This is the part of the sermon for you. It is much easier to take something for granted that you are gifted than it is to take something for granted that you had to grind for. It's human nature. We will not waste what we have to work for. I don't know how you grew up, but growing up, my parents very rarely made myself or my siblings finish all the food that was put on our plates. So when I was a kid, it was not unusual for me to leave food on my plate. But now that I'm an adult, and I have to buy my own burrito bowls at Chipotle, you best believe I'm going to finish every single last grain of cilantro rice that is put in front of me. Because I worked hard for that $11.50 that those Chipotle workers turned into a burrito bowl before my very eyes. Is there anybody in this room that can relate? God has hardwired us to be creatures who will work for what we want and will not waste what we work for. Before you were born, God knew you. Before God created you, he set you apart. Before the laying of the foundations of the earth, God designed and manufactured a specific and unique plan for your life. The plan that God has for your life is beautiful. The plan that God has for your life is big. The plan that God has for your life is blessed. It is multifaceted. It is thought through. It is one of a kind. When assembling the plan that he has for your life, God left not one detail up to your imagination. God left not one second of your life unaccounted for. Not one instance of your existence slipped the mind of God before he ever even put you on this planet. Not only this, but before you ever breathed your first breath, 2,000 years before you ever breathed your first breath, God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to take on the punishment your future sin would earn you in your place, so that if you choose to commit your life to him, you may be free from your sin and receive the opportunity to live in the plan that God has for your life by becoming the person that God has called you to be. What a value God sees in you. And what a price God has paid for you to live in the plan that he has for your life. For this reason, you must work while you wait. You must work while you wait because God knows that in order for you to see the significant sin and grasp the value of the plan that he has for your life, you must want it more than anything. If you don't want it, you'll squander it. If you don't want it, you'll waste it. If you don't want it, you'll blow it. Working while you wait will cause you to treat carefully what you may have otherwise treated casually. God is making you work while you wait to work up your want. Because God knows that all that he has for you is for your good. And you would overlook and undervalue it if he did not make you work for it.
Practically, I think waiting in such a way looks like waiting with attention. To wait with special care, concern, and consideration. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 reads, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. What would it look like for us to wait in such a way that glorifies God? That's something to think about. Too often people limit opportunities to worship God and give God glory or praise God to certain times, specific places, and particular expressions. When I think that actually one of the worst things we can do during a period of time that God has given us to wait is to view this time as simply a temporary time of transition or merely an in-between moment. As nothing more than time to slack off, twiddle our thumbs and stare at the sky until for no apparent reason God decides to bless us or give us what we want. Periods of waiting should not be treated like waiting rooms where you relax or read a magazine. Periods of waiting should be treated like war rooms where you strategize and prepare for battle. This is not a time for you to procrastinate. This is a time for you to prepare. If you are viewing this period of time that God has given you to wait with no strategy, agenda, or plan, then you are wasting your wait. Those who are fortunate and blessed enough to live in the plan that God has for them are able to do so because rather than waiting passively, they choose to wait purposefully. This time that God has given you to wait is not your time to take your eyes off God. This is your time. This is your opportunity. This is your moment to give God your full attention because as you look to God, God is looking at you. I think it's funny though, and I've been guilty of this in the past. Sometimes when people wait a while for what they want and don't really have anything to show for it, they'll start to get desperate and pray prayers like, hey God, it's me. I know it's been a while since the last time we talked, but I've been doing a lot of waiting recently. And there's some things that I really want and there's some areas of my life that I'd really like you to change, to fix. So I just want to let you know that if you would give me what I want, if you would fix, if you would change my life exactly how I'd like you to, I promise I'll never miss a week in the church ever again. I'll pray before every meal. I'll read the verse of the day every day on the YouVersion app. And I might even consider to finally check out Best Next Step. God, please, I'm begging you, hear me, bless me, give me what I want. I'll do it exactly what it is you want me to do. When God knows good and well, giving you what you want will not change who you are. It will only make you more of who you already are. Your weight is a window into your soul. God knows that if you are not already waiting purposefully, then your promises are empty. If God were to give you what you want, if God were to bless you with what it is you think that you've been waiting for, life would not get any easier. Your hands would be more full. Your schedule 
would be more busy. So if you are already distracted and undisciplined in your relationship with God, meaning if I had to find it this way, you rarely spend time in God's word, your prayer life is sporadic at best, and overall you involve God very little, if at all, in your daily life, then why would God drop another thing on your plate to make you that much more distracted, that much more undisciplined, that much more distant, and pull you that much more further away from him? How we wait is how we show God we are worthy of what we want. So although it may not seem like it or look like it or feel like it, your wait is in fact serving a purpose. But not only is it serving a purpose, it's doing you a service. It's buying you time. It's giving you an opportunity to get up, to clean your act and start showing God a version of you that he wants to see more of. Before he gives you a blessing to someone else. Before your dream job becomes their dream job. Before your dream opportunity becomes their dream opportunity. God is waiting for you to start showing him a version of you that he wants to see more of before it's too late. But I get it. Waiting passively is much more comfortable and convenient than waiting purposefully is. But waiting purposefully is so much more worth your time. Consider it choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. It's difficult in the moment, but it will save you from forsaking the plan that God has for you and that waiting passively would cost you. Waiting purposefully is uncomfortable and it's difficult because it is a wait, a W-A-I-T, that comes with a wait, a W-E-I-G-H-T. The weight that comes with waiting purposefully can feel heavy and overwhelming and unrelenting, but it is a weight that we should welcome because it is not meant to tear us down. It is meant to build us up. It helps develop us and fashion us and form us into the people that God has created and called us to be. And it helps us see the significance in what God has us waiting for by making us more dependent on him. God wants us to wait in such a way because he knows that when we do, the weight of our weight is what will cause our bond with him to become so strong so that if he gives us what it is that we want, it will not become a distraction to us. It is hard to become distracted from God the more dependent we become on God. Hear me and understand when I say, who you are becoming now is more important than what you receive next. This waiting season does not have to be a wasted season. God wants to use the weight of your weight to prepare you for all that he has prepared for you. This weight is not useless. This weight is not meaningless. This weight is not hopeless. Now is necessary. It's not up to you. You're going to wait. But how you wait is a decision that you get to make. God is waiting on you to start waiting with attention. And it will be when you begin to wait with attention that God will next begin to start addressing your intentions. God is waiting for your will to align with his will. For your desires to start aligning with his desires. For your intentions to start aligning with his intentions. Let's talk about God's will for your life for just a moment. It's kind of church language. God's will. What does that even mean? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know either. What, 
It's kind of this abstract concept. It's kind of what we've made it out to be in church settings when really I don't think God's will for your life or for my life is any secret. Because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, read this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give God thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Your weight is part of God's will for your life because God is using your weights to refine your desires. You notice the common denominator among these three com commands that comprise what Paul describes as God's will for your life and mine? They all require us to stay in the present moment and sit down with Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. These three actions, these three commands, they belong to no timeline and report to no schedule. And if you're anything like me, and God is having you wait before you arrive at whatever it is he has you waiting for, this undefined length of time that your wait will take drives you out, drives you crazy, and stresses you out. Because I'm the type of person to say, yo God, can I get an ETA? God, I'm cool with waiting, but can you at least let me know how long I have to wait for? God, are we there yet? Are we ever going to get there? Is there any end in sight? God, how long is this wait going to last? And the chances are, there are some of you under the sound of my voice right now who have become so disoriented and anxious and stressed out and fearful as a result of the appearance of uncertainty that your weight presents, that you've actually begun trying to impose your own timeline on God. And because God's not making things happen at your rate, at your speed, or at your pace, your faith is beginning to fail you. You're beginning to deconstruct, drown in insurmountable doubt, and believe that God has abandoned you. But the truth is, God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. He never has and he never will. He just refuses to abide by your timeline because he wants you to abide in him. Oh, don't you dare forget who the Lord is in this equation. Your timeline will choke out your faith, breed dysfunction, and lead to frustration. You are not obligated to all that God has for you. And God does not have to sign off on your schedule. So trash your timeline and throw away your man-made ETA because God is in no rush and he is in no hurry, but he is perfectly punctual and he is right on time. God may not be moving at your pace. God may not be moving at your speed. God may not be moving as fast as you'd like him to. He's probably moving a lot slower than you'd like him to. But this is because God understands that relationship cannot be rushed. You want a resource, and God wants relationship. You want an item, 
and God wants intimacy. You want a next step and God just wants to sit down with you. God's will for your life is for you to know Him and be known by Him. This does not happen overnight. This does not happen over dinner. This does not happen over coffee. This is the product. This is the result. This is the outcome of a lifelong romance of mutual pursuit. I think God might just be saying to many of us right now, before I give you anything, I need to know that I have you first. What happened to that first love that you once had for me? Since when did I stop becoming enough for you? Since when did you start caring more about getting something from me than you did about getting to know me? If you would just sit down with me and start to talk to me, start to pray to me without ceasing about what makes you anxious, about what makes you fearful, about what makes you worry, you'd be overwhelmed by the peace you receive through the revelation that I provide. If you were to sit down with me and make the choice to start rejoicing, you would be moved by the joy that would wash over you because worship and worry cannot occupy your mind at the same time. If you would just make the choice to sit down with me and start to thank me for things that I've done for you in the past, for the fact that you have a breath in your lungs and a pulse in your veins, and you woke up this morning with another opportunity at this thing called life, you would be so overwhelmed by the memories of my past faithfulness too that would flood your mind, that would bring you so much comfort, confidence, and courage as you face what lies ahead. God is waiting on you to stop chasing what you want just long enough to become content with staying in the present moment and sitting down with him. Your wait is your opportunity, your moment, your time to submit your will to God's will. Submission is only truly submission when you disagree with the one you are submitting to. For this reason, submission can suck but it will save you from so much future hurt, pain, and regret. Because other things, other people, other places we look to fulfill us will fail us because they are temporary in nature and imperfect as we are. Use this way to submit your will to God by saying, Jesus, you are and will ever be the only one I ever look to for fulfillment because you are the only one who is incapable of failing me. But submission only works and only lasts when trust is present. That's what waiting is all about at the end of the day. Trust. So Jesus got word that his homeboy Lazarus was sick, was dying, and he waited two days before he even started to make the trip to come and see him. And verse 17 of John chapter 11 says that when Jesus finally arrived. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, 
God will give you whatever you ask. Let me take a moment just to say something. Your faith in God and your questions for God can coexist. Martha is the perfect example of this. She is confused. She is frustrated. She is disappointed that it took Jesus so long to come see her dying, now dead brother. But she does not allow the questions for God that she does not yet have answers to kill her confidence in what she does know to be true. Martha understood that she did not have to be 100% certain about everything to be sure about some things. Verse 23, Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha answered him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you trust this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Skipping down to verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, said Martha, he's been dead for four days. And by this time, there's a bad odor. The King James Version says, he stinketh. For he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, I love the swag that Jesus must have just said this with, take off the grave clothes and let them go. You will only transition from God waiting on you to you waiting on God when you start to trust God at his word. The benefit of your weight will only be discovered by the belief you have placed in what God's word says. Jesus stepped on the scene on day four of Lazarus being dead. Lazarus was decomposing. His flesh was starting to rot. His body was beginning to smell. They had rolled a stone across the entrance of the tomb to seal it shut. All hope was lost, especially because in the Jewish tradition, it's believed that it takes three days for a soul of a person to separate from their dead body. On days one, two, and three after someone died, there was still in the minds of these people possibility for healing. There was still chance for resurrection but by day four there is nothing more anyone can do Jesus showed up and it was too late it was done it was over maybe if he would have gotten there on day one 
Maybe if you would have showed up on day two. Maybe if you would have stepped on the scene on day three, things could have been different. But in the minds of Mary and Martha and everyone else there, because Jesus got there on day four, maybe if you would have showed up a few hours earlier, but because you showed up when he did, it was too late. But something you need to understand about my Jesus is he does nothing by accident. Everything he does is intentional. This is why John chapter 11 verses 5 and 6 told us this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus loved them, so he made them wait. Jesus loved them, so he made them wait. Jesus loved them, so he made them wait. Jesus knew that if he would have stepped on the scene day one, Jesus knew that if he would have stepped on the scene day two, Jesus knew that if he would have stepped on the scene day three, Jesus knew that if he would have got there a second before day four, and if he would have raised Lazarus from the dead, everyone there may have labeled this miracle as a coincidence, consequently robbing themselves of a deeper and greater understanding of how powerful and present their God is. Let me tell you something, even if it requires an excruciating weight, even if it requires unbearable pain, even if it requires you at one point or another believing that all hope has been lost, one of the most loving things that God can do for you is give you a lesson in how powerful and present He is in your life because it will change the way you live your life moving forward. I've come here to tell someone that the reason God has let some things in your life seem so dead, the reason God has let some things in your life seem so done, the reason God has let some things in your life seem so far gone, the reason God has let some things in your life seem so far beyond the point of resurrection and repair is that when He finally shows up and does what only He can do in your life, you will not confuse it with coincidence. You will not label it as luck. You will not mistake it as happenstance, but you will recognize it as the unmistakable unmistakable, incomparable, remarkably all-powerful hand of God at work within your life. So as you wait in the tension of days one through three and wait for day four to roll around and show you what this wait has been for all along, choose to wait with optimism and not pessimism. Choose to let your mind wander and not wander. Consider the best that can happen and not the worst that can happen. As my favorite verse in the entire Bible, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what any of us ever ask for, dream of, or imagine, while you wait, it is your job to be leave and it's God's job to exceed. So trust God so deeply and take God's word so seriously that you say to yourself, I'm not waiting on a job. I'm not waiting on a relationship. I'm not waiting on anything that I want. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to exceed. I'm waiting on God to exceed my expectations, to exceed my imagination, to exceed my wildest dreams, to exceed my desires because God, I know that when I wait on you, you will make my way more than worth my while. Oh God, I wonder what you got up on your sleeve. Oh God, I wonder what you have in your back pocket. God, I wonder what kind of miracle you have in mind. Whatever it is, I will not confuse it with coincidence, but I will understand that my God is all powerful and all present, and you're not going anywhere. Is there anybody who needed this word today? Let me know who I've been talking to. What God is doing in your life right now 
is far more valuable than anything you're gonna receive on the other side of this. There are people in this room waiting on very real things. And I want you to know, I want you to leave with faith and hope knowing that God sees you, He hears your prayers, and God is answering your prayer through what He is doing in you right now. Right now. Not what's next, right now. I, had, I, I didn't tell any other services this. I, I was just thinking, praying over this word this week. And just the whole idea, the whole concept of before then, how am I treating my while? While I wait, how am I treating this moment before when I get there and I see what it was all about all along? Right now you're living in the wild. And the wild can be wild sometimes. But understand that God is doing something in you. He's preparing you. He's forming you. He's fashioning you. So you will be the type of person that will be able to handle the weight of what he gives you on the other side. God does have a plan for your life. God does have a purpose for your life. So don't you dare quit, don't you dare give up. But stick with it. Because on the other side of this way, is what only God can do. And you're gonna have no choice but to recognize that it was only Him who did it. If this word was for you, raise your hand, I wanna pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every single person in this place. But God, right now, I'm praying especially for those who have been going through a waiting season. God, this waiting season is not a wasted season in Jesus' name, but God, we're believing that right now you're building up our faith. That God, you're giving us eyes to see and ears to hear your voice as you direct us, as you guide us, as you lead us to all that you have for us. God, I pray, Lord, that we would understand that what you are doing in us is far more valuable than what you are going to do for us. But God, we're believing that what you do for us will be so amazing that we'll look at it and we'll understand and recognize that it only could have been you. God, we are waiting for that day with great expectation and faith. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, we all pray together with confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Don't forget to stay connected with us by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CBGlades at Pastor D. Hughes.